This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. All right. Thank you guys for coming. I'm so excited about this. So this is the new like relaunch. So there was a book club here a couple of years ago. They've not really done much with it in maybe a year or so. This is the relaunch of the book club and I'm very excited about it. I'm going to be hosting it. My name is Jennifer Wright if I haven't met you. Oh, I want to explain just a little bit about the book club because it's a little bit different than what you may think of book clubs. So what we're going to be doing with this book club, there's no required reading. So, yes. Um, although we do want you to buy books uh, and read them because they're very good. Maybe two books. Maybe two books. Yeah, buy two books. Buy two books. Okay. All right. So for this book club, we're going to be bringing in authors. So there are authors that are part of the club and we're going to be tapping into them and hearing about their book. And we're going to be reaching out to the local community and see, you know, bring in some other authors out there. And it's really the purpose is to learn about the authors, learn about what they're doing, learn about why they wrote their book. And as a bonus, this will be recorded. Zach has a podcast. I have a podcast called The Author's Way. Zach's podcast is called The Tactical Leader. And so these sessions will become part of they will actually become part of those podcasts. So, you know, if you're for whatever reason you can't make it to this, but you're going to do everything you can to make it right to yes. these events. If you can't make it, they'll be recorded and be on the podcast. So, which is very excited. I'm very excited that the Buckhead Club is allowing us to do that. So, I am also very excited that we were able to have Zach as our first guest. Coercion. Yeah, it was a lot of coercion. Pure coercion. I was actually voluntold that he would be our first guest. That would happen. Um, Yeah. Welcome to the military. Yeah. So Zach just launched his book last week on Veterans Day. And I'm a little biased, but I think it's a great book. I had the pleasure of helping Zach with the book. And so we're just going to talk a little bit today about that. And here's some of his story. Here's some of his journey, and I think it'll be a great conversation. I would love for this to be interactive, so please don't think you have to wait to ask questions. We're not going to do the, you know, 10 minutes at the end. Ask questions throughout, so feel free to interject, feel free. Now, what I may have to do is either let either give you the mic so we can hear in the recording, or I'll repeat your question. So we'll make sure that we can get the questions on the recording. I need my publicist to approve the questions first. No. Okay. <laughs> Ask whatever questions you want. Worth a shot. <laughs> so we'll get started. Everybody drink bourbon and yes. please drink a lot. Well, yes. You that might way the story it. sounds really good. You might need it. So I'll start just a little bit with an intro. I met Zach about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. And first I was like, ah, who is this person? What is he talking about? But no, Zach has been a really great business partner. Zach actually got me started with my podcast. I had a very different thing in mind. He was like, no, 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 you should do a podcast. And so we got that started. Got it started very quickly. It was much more quickly than I was comfortable with. And he has been a great business coach and mentor through the years. And a couple of months ago, God, I can't believe it was that 
that soon ago. It was, it really was about four months ago. We got together and he wanted to talk about his book. And we kind of came up with, he had a different book in mind at the time. We talked about it. We came up with this one. Gets much more into his story, I think, than what he was comfortable with to begin with. And he did a great job of pulling it together. I was actually really, really pleased. It was a little rough to begin with. But the, so the first draft. Thank God for spell check. Yes. And great editors, right? But the first draft was a little, a little rough. My process is to clean things up in editing, but he got some feedback from somebody else and I'll let him tell the story. And, but when he sent me the next draft, I was blown away and we'll get into that a little bit. So I'll let Zach kind of introduce himself a little bit, but I think you're going to be very interested in his story. He has a very, very compelling, very interesting story. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear about it a little bit today and to read it in the book. So if you haven't gotten a book, I definitely recommend it. And if I can say that after reading it eight times, <laughs> then yes, I definitely recommend the book. So Zach, introduce yourself. All right. Can we get a round of shots first? Anybody? <laughs> so a lot of y'all know me already, police officer here in Atlanta, then joined the military. This story really picks up more in the military side of things, with especially with a bad background. If you'll just come hit the mouse. So this part of the journey really starts with the military side of things. Definitely uncomfortable to write the words that are on the pages and even more uncomfortable when Jen's over my shoulder yelling at me to write more. With the part she was talking about expanding past the first draft, it was actually Michael Coles. A lot of y'all know him already, the founder of Great American Cookie Company. He's also the CEO of Caribou Coffee for a long time. He wrote the forward in the book, literally the best part of the book. So read the first few pages and don't go past that. But I submitted the book to him, like a summary of the book. And he sent back, hey, this is essentially, he said, this is garbage. You need to go deeper into your story and go further into those painful points to be more relatable. And until you do that, I'm not going to write the forward of the book. And as a mentor, you can't really ask for much more than that. So it's great advice from him, I think. We'll see if I get feedback on the book overall. But it's been a journey. It's been an interesting piece of things through the military side of stuff. So it's much more of the personal journey, the self-mastery journey that I went through. You'll see there were some really dark points for me in there that I imagine we'll talk about a little bit. It's really uncomfortable, just so you all know. Really uncomfortable to have it out there. A lot of insecurities attached to it. So don't hate me after you read the book. Unless you already hate me, then keep hating me. It's fine. But there's a lot to unpack there. And I hope it's relatable to folks outside of the military that didn't necessarily experience my journey, that are, but have experienced certain things in their lives. All right. So I actually, I'll have to tell you after I read your story, I actually probably think I love you more now. Can't so, blame you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can't well, blame me. You know, of course. So, how did you, what made you decide to write this book and write it now? You know, is there, was there anything about the timing? Was there anything about this particular story that you felt you needed to write? Yeah, she made me. It's funny. I told Jen I wanted to write a book about leadership. My podcast was about leadership, about tactics and leadership. And then she saw me post several things in June on LinkedIn. I have a course that kind of goes in line with this. It's a 30-day self-mastery program. And it really goes through the step-by-step process for 30 days that I went through myself. And she saw those posts, one post a day for 30 days. And it was a piece of me trying to re-engage myself in that healing journey And she's like, hey, this is your book. And I'm like, nope, I don't want to talk about it. Hell no, I'm not going to put that out there. And she's like, no, really, let's sit down and talk about it. And we ended up having a strategy session. If y'all know Jen, you know she loves sticky notes. So we had this 20-foot long table full of sticky notes and strategy attached to why this book was worth a darn and why the chapters and the different pieces worth a darn. 
I did not mean to write this book by any means. It's definitely farther into my personal life than I'm ever comfortable with sharing. But I think it's one of those that looking at the guys that served with me, some of my soldiers that came back, some of my soldiers that didn't come back. I think this is a story that needed to be told to hopefully heal other soldiers, other people that have gone through traumatic situations. The next book, the leadership book is going to happen at some point. I've been told it has to, but it's going to be a continuation and kind of a saga of a legacy. But I felt like this one became the focal point as I learned where my podcast became the tactics of leadership. And it shifted over the years of being more a journey of leading yourself before you lead other people. So to me, it felt like this was an important book to get out first. Talk about how do you lead yourself? How do you get through the dark times? And then turn back around and start leading other people more effectively. Yeah, I I love that. I think that, you know, I think one of the reasons that you hadn't written the other book is that you weren't, it wasn't important enough to you yet. And we've had several conversations about it. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't coming to you. It just wasn't there for you yet. But then this one, I think because it was so personal, really, I think it actually came to you easier than you thought it would. In about 10 hours. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a quick turnaround. So he told me, I want this book written by my birthday, which was literally two weeks away. And I rolled my eyes. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to write a book in two weeks. He sent me a draft in two weeks. I was floored. I was floored. I don't think you slept for two weeks. What's that? But yeah. Yes. That was the draft that Michael Coles did not like. The garbage draft. Absolutely. But it was an amazing amount of information. It wasn't the whole book, but it was a pretty good start. And I was really surprised because I never expected that. I usually recommend give yourself 12 months. I think you've done it in about five. So yeah, it's been pretty amazing. What One of the things I talk to a lot of people about is their purpose. And not only their purpose and what they're doing in life, but also the purpose for the book. What do you want to do with it? How are you going to use it? And so what do you feel like your purpose is with this book? Hmm. Number one bestseller, everybody? No, honestly, it was kind of surprising. Over the weekend, it hit number one new release in two different categories. I was actually kind of surprised by it. I was taken aback by it. And she sent me the numbers of, who bought the book on Amazon. Honestly, I don't expect anybody to read it. I didn't expect anybody to buy it. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are here. But I thought like the 100 copies I bought would be like the 100 copies that were sold, right? So my goal was like buy a bunch of copies and just hand them to people, hand them out. Like, hey, read this. It's about me. Here's a, a lot of people use books as like a, a business card. Hey, here's a little bit about me. But what I realized was like this book is a little bit more than that, right? It's not a business book. It's not talking about much of my business journey. It's talking more about my self journey. So it kind of shifted beyond that. So really the intentionality behind it became recognizing that my soldiers needed this. Guys I served with the police department needed this. Um, I actually had a podcast today on my show from a guy that has served for about 35 years in the government world. And he has his own show that talks about several things, several similar topics about healing and the journey. And I feel like if we have this conversation more as men, I got several guys in here, right? We don't talk about this shit, excuse the language, but as men, we don't talk about it. And until we start talking about it, we can't lose the context of men can't have emotions, right? So I feel like in order to do that, leading by example is one of the best ways to do it. So screw it. I'll send it. The purpose is to put it out there. And then I can call you on your bullshit when you don't want to share your own feelings as men. And then I look at the ladies and say, hey, y'all need to do the same thing because I did it. So it's almost one of those I experienced it so that I can tell other people you need to as well. It's a leading by example piece of it, essentially. 
and he's already after me to do that. So yes, but we'll see. Before we go any further, does anybody else have any questions? I don't want to dominate. No, no they don't. Casey. <laughs> So I would like your perspective and backing up just a little bit, because when I first met you, right about a year ago, you joked in, in passing, you made a comment. You were like, <laughs> Army guys don't write books. Only well, Navy guys write books. SEALs. <laughs> the SEALs write books. Yeah. That might be interested in talking to Jen about that next step. What was that turning point from, from you know, I would never write a book to, I think I need to write a book. Let me just repeat it so we get it on the recording. So you're asking what was the turning point to make him really decide that it's time to write the book versus not having a book. Right. Right. Okay. I do joke because if you met a Navy SEAL, you've met an author. I mean, it's kind of like the joke in the military. If you've met a Navy SEAL, you've met an author. And it's funny. Army guys, we don't really write books. You don't see a bunch of army guys that are out there with books. So I make the joke. But honestly, I think it was an insecurity. Nobody wants to listen to me because I'm an army guy, right? SEALs have a level of clout, right? If they write a book, they're a Navy SEAL. You know, I wasn't a Green Beret. I just served with them, right? I was deployed with them. I did certain things with Green Berets, but I wasn't a Green Beret. So I don't have, I felt like I didn't have the clout to write a book that mattered, especially in that military world when you have. Jocko and Goggins and all these other people that have that level of name and recognition already. So I make that joke, but at the end of the day, what I realize is I disagree with Goggins and I disagree with half of what Jocko says. I like Jocko a lot. Goggins, I actually don't like at all. And I very much vehemently disagree with a lot of what Goggins says because it's not relatable. It's, uh, contextually, what he's saying is inaccurate for this world. What he says is great for Afghanistan, but what he says for this world is not, I don't agree with it. So I felt like there was too much misconception going into what the military mindset was. And hey, this is what a leader looks like. In reality, Goggins is not what a leader looks like. He was never a leader. He is very well trained. He's very capable in a lot of ways, but he wasn't necessarily a leader. He was a member of a team. So I felt like there's a misconception of military leaders that hopefully this dispels a little bit and allows leaders in the military, leaders in the alpha male mindset to actually show that other side. You don't have to be the David Goggins that runs 100 miles, breaks both feet, and starts peeing blood for a week, right? That's not leadership, right? There's a level of negativity attached to the mindset you have to have to beat yourself up over and over and over again. And that's the exact opposite of what this book is. So to me, that was the turning point. This needed to be told from the opposite side of what a military leader looks like, not just what a military individual looks like. That's a great answer. I think that's important to understand too, because a lot of your story is about the military, but there's a piece of the story that's not. So it's an entire life, not just the military piece. And you have to come back home at some point. Yeah. In one way or another. Right. <laughs> right. So any other questions before? Yeah. Why is it the people that know me that are asking, damn it? Well, so, so I planted uh, it. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> when, when I'm reading the book, I'm going to visualize you telling your story in story. Ryan Reynolds. But visualize I, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. But it kind of goes to my question is people that don't know you and they're trying to visualize someone in that position. I know you want to be Ryan Reynolds, but realistically, <laughs> who, who are some people they're going to kind of see acting on your story? That's a good question. So it's a really good question. So what he asked is, number one, he made the statement that Zach is not Ryan Reynolds. And so when someone who doesn't know you reads the book, who would they, you know, what would, how would they picture you? Is that the gist of your question? How would they picture you? How would they visualize, visualize that? 
honestly, for me, it turns into wanting them to see beyond the uniform. I mean, you see the Navy SEAL and you think the Navy SEAL, right? You think Green Berets, you think the Green Beret. So you talk a lot about the military leader when Goggins talks, he talks about being Navy SEAL. He talks about being a Ranger. He talks about being the paratrooper and all the other, whatever the Air Force has, nobody cares about. Sorry if anybody, anybody okay, no, nobody cares about the Air Force, they right? Yeah, the PJs in the Air Force. I, let me not take away from them. They're pretty awesome. But he's the only man that's like certified in all three. I mean, it's a really impressive feat. But when I visualize Goggins, I visualize a uniform. I don't visualize Goggins, right? I don't visualize the human being behind it. So I'm hoping people see like the person behind it. Because what happens is when we come back from things we had to do, Afghanistan deployments, that uniform comes with us, but then it doesn't. So to come back into this world, anybody a Marvel fan? I know Ralph is, but have y'all seen like the Marvel movies where Thanos snapped and people disappeared and they came back five years later? For me, it was five seconds. For you, it was five years. When I went to Afghanistan or when I've deployed other times and I left for a year or two at a time, that's what it was like. So for me, it was like coming back to, I expect the same. For y'all, it was a year or two years later. I went through all of this that y'all can't conceptualize, no offense, unless anybody served, but you can't conceptualize what I went through for the last year. So essentially it didn't exist in this timeline, if you will. So for me, like coming back, I was a totally different person and I expected to be treated as a totally different person, but people remembered me from before the deployment. They didn't see the change that happened over a year and we all change year to year, right? So it became a very difficult thing for me to actually have relationships, friendships, conversations with people. And that's what led to really the dark point. And if y'all haven't read the book yet, I'm, I'm sure nobody has yet. About 18 months ago, I was on the end of a dock with a pistol in my mouth. I was ready to become a statistic. That's explained in the book. Buy the book, read the book, get a copy to a friend, buy three books, whatever. But that part of my journey was only 18 months ago. So as you read this, this is a very fresh wound. But a lot of people don't realize how recent a lot of that was. So for me, it was uh, in the last, I got back at the end of 2019 from Afghanistan. And the humanistic points of my life have had to grow from that. And I was seen as the veteran. I was seen as the PTSD guy. I was having anxiety attacks in the lobby downstairs. People don't know this part of my life. I would leave. You said it. And you said it. Zach, you have to be more present at events. You said it. You have to be at the Bucket Club more. And I was disappearing too early. The reason I was disappearing too early is because I was having anxiety attacks downstairs in the lobby or in my truck. And like having anxiety attacks and not being able to leave the parking deck for hours or sleeping in my truck overnight here in the parking deck. People don't know that part of the story. And it's because I didn't get the humanistic part back yet. I was still living in Afghanistan and everybody else kept living life. I'm still there. And it's a really hard thing for veterans to articulate because it changes the dynamic of how I live day to day. And it took this journey to actually shift that to the person that y'all know today, past the guy that was here just a year and a half ago. It's a really deep question. Don't ask that shit again. Sorry. <laughs> So I'll have to say, we've had some very deep conversations since we started this process. I've only known you since you've been back. I didn't know, you know, that before. So I had, you know, we all have, you know, misconceptions, perceptions of people that we know. When I started reading the story, this is the power of the story, I think. When I started reading the story, I may get emotional here. I was crying because there were so many things that I learned about you. I had no idea. Who's got tissues? Don't do, <laughs> don't do this to me. Hang on. And, <laughs> and but I think this piece 
speaks to the power of the story and the power of sharing your story and being vulnerable and allowing people. We're much closer than we were before the process. And there's just, there's just so many, you know, so many things that I've learned about you. And I've told him a couple of times, he was like, listen, I know more about you than just about anybody here right now. You guys will learn all of this as you read it. But there's been, there's, I know more about him than anyone in the room right now. But it has really, it's made us closer, but it's also given me appreciate an appreciation of who you are and, you know, what you've done and why you're doing some of the things that you're doing now. So, you know, I understand that. I understand some of the things, even though we've had some conversations about some of that stuff. So, I mean, it's just, but it's, it's just the power of it. It's compelling. It's interesting, but it also really kind of reveals a lot of understanding. That's the problem with it. Yeah. The good and the bad. It's the good and the bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So any other questions? Yeah, Marilyn. Oh, that's a great question. How did the process of writing the book change you? You know, it's interesting as y'all read it, y'all kind of see an evolution of different things. I wouldn't say that writing the book changed me much. What I would say is writing the book made me relive what I'd already done and refreshed it. Like I mentioned before, this book is in alignment with the 30-day challenge I have. That was literally 30 days of tactics I built out of finding love for myself again after the uniform. I realized one of the big pieces of the book, the rock bottom point wasn't the end of the dock with a pistol in my mouth. I thought that was the worst part. Like, What more could you ask for to be terrible? I, I believe true vulnerability isn't talking about what happened in Afghanistan. True vulnerability is what happened in the fallout. So I talk a lot about that. That's why this book is really focused after Afghanistan, because it was what happened in Afghanistan was traumatic for sure. But what happened after Afghanistan is really what changed my life. That moment I thought was rock bottom. Rock bottom was actually a week later when the guy I moved in with, I moved, got off active duty, moved back to Atlanta. The guy I moved in with challenged me. He said, I've done all this external learning. I've paid tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars for external learning, an MBA, masterminds, business coaching, all this other mentorship. And he said, you've done all this external learning, but you've never taken the time to learn about yourself. And in the process, you don't even love yourself anymore. And I laughed at him. Having the bravado that men have, that alpha males have, I laughed. I'm like, I love me some me. Of course I love me some me. And he's like, go upstairs, look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself. Let me know if you can do it. I went upstairs, looked at myself in the mirror and immediately had an anxiety attack. Couldn't look myself in the face and tell myself I love myself anymore. So as I was writing the book, I was reliving the steps from that point forward. How did I rediscover who I was? How did I discover the parts of myself that I could love again? Or the parts of myself that I never even knew about that I should be loving. And it's kind of an awkward conversation to have as men, right? Men don't really talk about loving ourselves or love in general. But I recognize that was like the pivotal point for me is I had to find something other than a uniform. So I wore a uniform for 15 years. So getting outside of the uniform and having that uniform taken from me because I was injured, you know, I didn't choose to get out of the military. So reliving that and writing the book. And actually, when I wrote the book, I went back through the steps. And I remembered when I was in that time, I read the journal that I had during that time. It was honestly terrifying. Like opening that journal again was like terrifying. I'm like, I'm going to reread the demons I was living through. And you can go back to my podcast and listen to my podcast during that time. The shift, the sound of my voice, 
everything was so different at that point. So reliving that was difficult, but it was also like an affirmation attached to, I took the steps necessary to heal. I took the steps necessary to find love for myself again, or maybe for the first time ever. And it helped me go back through that process. So it didn't necessarily change me, but it refreshed a lot of what I did before. I think we all need to reset every once in a while. And that's what this book was for me. It was another step in the healing process and a good reset to get back to that point when we may lose our way occasionally. So many hands went up. Stop it. Stop asking questions. Bring shots. Because we can all say that we love ourselves, but I do think that there are some things that we have to be intentional about. Mm -hmm. All right. So the question was, is for Zach, what are some of the things that you did intentionally to build that love for yourself and to grow that? You know, because I think you said it perfectly. My word of the year is intentionality. I will carry that into 2023 and use that as my word of the year again, because it's been so powerful for me this year. I lacked intentionality with myself. I talk about it often. Some of the all that are in the mastermind, y'all hear me say it. Selfish is not a bad word. And a lot of people see selfish as being a bad word. But for me, I became selfish and recognized the power of being selfish with myself. So some of the tactics I use, my morning routine, I even did this in Afghanistan looking back. It's funny looking at it now that I did it unintentionally in Afghanistan. But when I woke up, I had an hour. Unless we were getting bombed or unless somebody just died, do not bother me. My soldiers knew this. And I had 40 guys assigned to me. I was in the gym working out and we had a tent, right? We had a tent with a little bit of weights and I was working out. That's my hour. I was selfish with that one hour of the day. 23 hours a day, I'll do whatever you need or whatever the mission needs. But that one hour, you do not bother me unless something happens. I lost that coming back. At the point that I came back in COVID, so 2020, so I got back at the end of 2019, 2020 happened. For those of you that don't know, I opened three businesses at the beginning of 2020. Four of my six businesses at the time scaled to 155 countries. So I hit mass success really quick during COVID. I ended up getting in front of NBC and Disney. I ended up turning down an eight-figure deal for one of my companies. They were going to buy the company and step on it, essentially. And my values and my partner's values in that business were like, no, nah, we don't want to see it stepped on. We're doing too much good. Just so y'all know, NBC steps on it anyways. But a lot of what I was doing, I was building, I was scaling, I was really successful. And I hated myself the entire time. Couldn't look myself in the mirror. I was drinking a handle of bourbon every night. I was honestly, and I don't know if anybody can relate to this, I was bulimic. I was literally for months on end bulimic. I couldn't eat. If I would drink, I would throw up. I was literally up till two in the morning drinking, up at 4 a.m. going to work out. And that was my constant cycle. So when it came to being intentional, I had to shift the intentionality away from business because I buried myself in business. I felt a great escape. Hey, I'm really good here. Good at business, good at operations, good at scaling, good at making money. And I focused there and never looked at the closet that had all the skeletons in it. Didn't hear the scratching, ignored it until it got quiet. And then I recognized the intentionality behind a lot of the stuff I did, journaling, reading. I picked up the piano. For those of y'all that don't know, I have nerve damage in this arm. So I can't feel my hand. There's a lot of numbness. Part of the injury from Afghanistan, why I got discharged. I picked up piano. If you can't feel your hand and you don't have that feeling and that dexterity, piano is really difficult. But classical music is one of those things that always soothed me when I was anxious. And I had a revelation at one point. It's in the book. There's a story I actually tell about how the shift, instead of listening to classical music, what if I could play it? What if I could create that and create a soothing effect for myself by learning the piano? Ended up buying the piano. And that day I played for six hours. Two weeks later, I was playing Bach on the piano. And it, it's not good, mind you. Like I'm still not good at it, 
but it's something that I was able to create a soothing effect for myself. So the intentionality became being selfish with that time frame. Every morning I'm in the gym, I'm waking up, I'm doing my mindset, I'm journaling, whatever that may be attached to my day. That was the intentionality that I outlined as the steps along the way and creating those habits. And for me, it sets the day proper. My alarm, Taylor yells at me, she hates it. My alarm every morning, I joke about it, but my alarm is I the Tiger by Rocky, or the not by Rocky, but the theme song <laughs> of Rocky, right? My interest music when I speak on stage is that theme song. So every morning, my alarm, I wake up to I of the Tiger. And I'm hype. I laugh. I giggle. She yells at me to turn it off. And to me, it just gets me hype. Every day in the gym, she plays it for me, right? She's a personal trainer. So like she's if she's training me, she like, she'll hit that. And if I'm on the treadmill sucking or if my arm's hurting that day, it gets me hype again. I'm really intentional about that because I know that triggers a really happy memory for me. I don't know why. I don't know why that song, but it's my hype song. I spoke at a conference in Philly and I ran the damn stairs. I ran so fast up those stairs, she could never catch me. It's amazing. But that's part of those things that I became very intentional about. And I think that's really important for us to be selfish with yourself, to fill yourself up, fill your coffer up before you can fill into others. And that for me was a huge shift that I didn't do being a servant leader. I was always serving and never served myself before I could serve others. And that was a big shift for me. Question. I thought she had more talking to do, not more questions. Nancy's actually read some of the book. Oh, geez. Oh, God. She's opening it up. <laughs> so loved in you in bold letters that I hate it that they say I can't speak the word broken. I am broken. Gigantic letters. And because we all say you you get what you think about. We all believe we all business people think that, you know, we all have to have positivity in our life. We start our day on a positive. We wake up, we're having a great day because I'm alive, I'm breathing. But yet, as people, we have sometimes get down on our knees and feel crushed and say, honestly, I'm not doing the best that I can. I mean, that was after the look in the mirror. You can't mm -hmm. say I love how how did the journaling start changing? Mm. Because like, did you want to just continue to torture? I hate this, this bullshit, you know. <laughs> I mean, all this positivity doesn't, you know, weren't you journaling that? And then all of a sudden, this shit? How did you come out of that? So the question is, refers to the journaling. And when, how did you shift into that? And tell me if I'm interpreting it wrong. It, yeah. How did you shift from the negative into the positive and, you know, use journaling for that? I didn't. There was no shift. As human beings and the psychology behind being a human, if you sit, there's a great exercise I did at a leadership conference. You sit for 10 minutes in silence and you write every single word that comes to the piece of paper and you write it all down. Every word that comes to your mind, you write it down or every thought that comes to your mind. Intrinsically, as humans, we go to the negative. And when I was journaling, I was going to the negative. As I continue to journal, a lot of times what I found I was becoming very inquisitive. Why this? Why that? And as I went back and read the journal, I was asking myself a lot of questions. And I became more curious about why certain things were happening, why I was reacting a certain way. I started therapy. If if y'all love therapy, like hallelujah, therapy was a huge shift for me. But the recognition of being broken, a lot of people say, don't use that terminology. Don't say you are broken. For me, that awareness, you don't fix what's not broken. That's how I was raised. If it's broken, you fix it. If it's not broken, you don't fix it. And for me in the military, in law enforcement, it became a thing where 
If it's not broken, you don't fix it. You just keep going along. So you have this level of avoidance. And as I was going through therapy, I went through, Emory has a veteran program that is privately funded. So it's not the VA. It's actually a phenomenal program. And my therapist through Emory, he kind of conceptualized it a little bit differently for me. I mean, he helped me recognize that being broken wasn't a bad thing. But if you can recognize what link in a chain is broken, you will set yourself out to fix it. And he challenged me to fix that broken link. Something I as a whole am broken. So there's a part of me that needs to be fixed. So as I journaled, it became what is broken? Why is this broken? How do I fix this? And it became a lot of those questions. I mean, I think that it's really powerful. It was empowering for me to recognize, hey, this is broken, but damn, I'm the one that has the power to fix it. And you're the only one that has the power to fix it. So as I had that recognition, a lot shifted to taking action. And for those of y'all that know me and have been a part of the mastermind, taking action is a big piece of what I talk about. And it's because of that revelation, we have the power to take action to shift everything about what we're doing. And that's where the journaling shifted, not into a positivity, but into an inquisitive side of how this, why this, what do I do now? And that became very empowering and very actionable and tactical for me to like move forward from that. Nice. All right. I'm going to ask one more question and then I'll open it up and I'll start with Shell when she's back. So now that you've, now that you've met this milestone, which is a pretty big milestone, what's your next thing? <laughs> which one? <laughs> <laughs> In, in the literary world, I have a journal we're working on right now, a 90-day journal really focused on tactics and action steps, a workbook that is in alignment with the course. If you want to go through a workbook instead of a virtual course, in that piece, there's more that goes to this book. As you go through the book, there are a lot of QR codes. It's very, I wanted to be very interactive. So there are different pieces where you scan and you go to different pieces of my community. And I wanted to make sure that there was a capability to interact with each other. So building the community is one piece of that next step. Beyond that, ATL Vets that you're a part of, you're on the board of the ATL Vets. I just started a 501C, moved out of six of my businesses last year, focused on business coaching, consulting. And then ATL Vets is a 501C for veteran business owners. And I recognize the best way to make an impact with my fellow veterans, my fellow business owners, was to be in the forefront. This book was a, a huge boot in the ass to move forward. And I, I think that piece of it is trying to get more intermingled. And y'all know as part of the group, like I want more people in our community, more people that give a shit, more people that want to take action. And that's what's happening with business builders. That's what's happening within the club. It's different pieces where I want to take more action with more people and create a movement of loving ourselves, a movement of shifting into how do we integrate work and life? There is no balance. Like, let's get past that. There is no balance. There's an integrated life. My integrated life is selling books for me tonight, right? And she's my photographer and she's my cheerleader. And then it flips and I'm her videographer. And then there's an integrated life that we can all find and we can all do that together, but it has to be together. So the next step for me is to integrate more battle brews and having the veteran community with the business community, with all of us together in a way that we all grow together. And that's my big call to action from all of this. If we can get together and build and grow and have these conversations, I think we can all really be a hell of a lot more successful in business, but also in life. And that's my next step. And she's a part of it. So watch out for her. I love what you're doing with the veteran community. I think there's so many important things to be done there. And, you know, with the ATL vets, I think that's going to be a phenomenal organization. I'm so excited about that. So we have time for just a couple more questions. So I think Cheryl, you had a question. 
Probably not, but go but go ahead. Hit me with it. Oh, that's a great question. So the question is get her out of here. <laughs> yeah. Do you foresee a time when you're not impacted by your past? Which is a good shift. Yeah. Right. Really impacted is something that shifts that co- that question. Mm-hmm. I wear a bracelet for the first two guys. I lost all six guys in Afghanistan. If you ask anybody in the spec ops community, they will know the operations that I was on. And some of them are still classified. So y'all might not know about several pieces. A SEAL, the SEALs work on very media heavy things. So you hear about what the Navy SEALs do. You don't hear about what we did because we were so far entrenched. So for me, I shut that out for a long time. And I dishonored the memory of those that did pass away in Afghanistan. I dishonored those that are still here, but have drug addiction, uh, drug addictions or divorces or DUIs. Half my guys went through something. I went through a divorce, right? And it's something that is really difficult for a lot of us to conceptualize. And I shut it all out. And part of PTSD that I learned is avoidance. There's like 23 different segments of PTSD. One of them is avoidance. We shut it all out. You compartmentalize. You lock it up and move on. And for me, a big thing that I talk about is a journey of forgiveness. Writing a letter to yourself, having some sort of journey to forgive yourself. In the book I talk about, I went to Amicalola Falls. There's a hike. You can go up the stairs. Terrible. Or there's another route you can go to the top of the falls. And it's a a little bit of a hike. About once a quarter, I do this journey of forgiveness. And I hiked to the top of the falls. I wrote a letter of forgiveness to myself. And I wrote a letter forgiving myself for dishonoring Joey and Will, who are the two on my bracelet, because I didn't honor their memory appropriately. I shut them out. I didn't talk about them. I didn't want to talk about them. I couldn't talk about them. And I had to forgive myself for that because that was the weight I was carrying. And it was a negative weight. If I thought about them, I broke down. I couldn't talk about it. I, I would tear up on stage. I'd cry on stage. I'd cry on podcasts. Couldn't talk about it. It was very negative for me. And I wrote that letter to myself, tore it up in little pieces, set it on fire, threw it down the falls. I littered. Sorry, y'all. But I let go of that weight, that negativity, and told myself I would never dishonor their memory again. And I would use their memory and talk about them to show how much of an impact that they had on serving for us, around us. It changed it from being a very negative impact on me to being a positive highlight of a lot of them are in this book. Their family, the guilt I had of for years, y'all, I didn't celebrate a holiday, didn't celebrate a birthday. I didn't feel worthy of it because the guys that I sent on an operation that died, their families lost a husband, a son, a father that couldn't celebrate holidays anymore. So I didn't feel like I deserved to celebrate a holiday. I didn't feel like I deserved to have a significant other. I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved, which is where that hate for myself came from. So I punished myself and I saw that I deserved it. The injury to my arm, I deserved it, right? This is my penance for the mistakes I've made in life. So I punished myself over and over and over again. And I realized that was the negative weight I was carrying until I set that piece of forgiveness out. And I did that journey of forgiveness and I let that weight go. I now see that as the empowering piece of Will and Joey need to be talked about. They did some amazing things for us. They were a joy in what we did in Afghanistan. Unfortunately, they're not here anymore. But because of them, we have some amazing memories in Afghanistan and they need to be respected and I need to talk about them. And that now is like, it's kind of like fuel to the fire, right? Now I can talk about it happily. I love them. I love what they did for us. I love what our journey was together for the short time that we had. 
And it shifted it from being that negative weight to really forgiving myself for so many of those factors and being able to live in that moment more and appreciate them. And that was the big piece. I appreciate them now instead of hating that I lost them, if that makes sense. And a lot of that goes into the book. You asked a question, it got really deep, sorry. <laughs> you know, But that was a big shift for me. And it, it took a lot. And a lot of veterans go through that. Survivor's guilt, leader's guilt. And it was a lot for me to let go. But once I let it go, it let me flourish in a totally different way that y'all see now today. All right. I think we have time for one more question. Anyone else? Oh, Bobby's over there. Okay. So the question is, when you were writing the book, who were you writing it to? And who were you thinking about? Who were you writing it for? So initially, I was writing it to the people that would buy stuff from me. And I'll be blunt about it. I wanted to write a book because I feel like I have a certain level of knowledge and experience that was relatable. And I had a course, so I wanted to back up the course. And that's what Michael Coles called me on. He said, hey, this book is so surface level. You're not going deep. You're not putting the emotion attached to it. And he knows the story. He's been there for a lot of it. But he's been an amazing mentor that, you know, for those of y'all that know, he was, you know, almost paralyzed with a motorcycle accident. We went through similar injuries. Did he, as part of his recovery, set records for bicycling across the country. So he used something that people said he could never do to motivate him to do. And that first book was really more of a marketing piece. It was more of like a add to the business piece. And he called me out on it. He said, hey, this is bullshit. And you need to actually tell the story that I know about. So the second iteration became the book that I needed for myself. And the front piece of the book, there's a dedication. I dedicated to a few people. But at the end of that paragraph, I'd say I dedicated to myself. And it is a book written for myself because I needed it. I needed it to heal. I needed it to prove that I could put thoughts on paper. I'm not a total idiot, but it was also one of those that I wanted to relive the love that we've talked about, relive that piece of it. So it became a piece to myself, but also to hopefully the brother veteran that you've seen that shift in. You knew him as a kid and now there's been a shift. I hope it touches a veteran like that, where it might not be the veteran that picks up the book, but it's the family member that has seen the change, the change that I put people through. And they've seen the change and they want to see some healing now. Because I've hear I've heard too far often how much military families suffer. The veteran suffers. The family really suffers. And it's that shift that they don't understand. So I'm hoping maybe it touches a few veterans through their family that can hopefully conceptualize what we're going through. And maybe it makes it more relatable to you so you can communicate better with your brother. And if that happens, one time, the book's a, the book is a success for me. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming. And thank you for asking some phenomenal questions. I hate y'all for that part. Yes. Yes. You'll get over it. Yeah. Um, So this has been great. Like I was saying before, this is going to become a a regular event here. We're working on the schedule right now. So would love for you to join us again. We're going to start, you know, we're going to have starting, we're starting in January after the first of the year, but these are going to be become regular. So if there are any specific topics you would like to hear about or anything like that, please feel free to reach out to me. And so thank you, Zach. Great interview. I think this is probably the one one of the best that I've had. Best podcast you've ever had. Absolutely. The very best. The very best. So thank you. I appreciate it. Buy a book. Three books. Zach will sign them for you if you would like. I think Ralph was saying that the book will be worth a lot of money. I think probably about $10 was Zach's signature. So yes, yes. $15. (laughs) Yes. Love it. Yes. 
So there's a little bit of food left, so please enjoy, enjoy the food and enjoy the company here. This has been great. I appreciate it. And I hope to see you here next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.